Welcome to Black Men Homeschool. This is a space where we talk about issues, ideas, and resources that we're interested in as homeschool fathers. All right, everybody. So here's the question. And I read, and this question came up when I was looking at my kid the other day. So I'm looking at him and I had to look at him with new eyes. You know, his voice has changed. He's doing some different stuff. He's talking about driving. And I realized that some of the questions that I always ask when I see the kids have changed. So I asked myself, okay, so how am I gonna get this kid to college? And who's gonna pay for it? So that is the question that our guest today is uniquely qualified to help us answer. Uh, Melissa Rowe is the founder of Capture Greatness, a nonprofit that provides scholarship writing and college coaching support for first-generation college goers and students in under-resourced schools. Melissa is also the author of a new resource that I think every parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler should have entitled Scholars Get Dollars, Turn Your Child Into a Scholarship Magnet and Save Thousands of Dollars. Melissa is a Philadelphia native, a longtime writer and educator, has worked with students in K-12, college and out of school contexts, has facilitated programming locally and abroad, and has graciously come to share her wisdom and insights with us today. So Melissa Rowe, welcome to the Black Men Homeschool Podcast. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, Jason, for that intro as well. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're so happy that you are here. So, so we're looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so crazy because even though Richard and I both work in colleges and, you know, I hadn't really thought about what college means for your kid to go until just this year. Like my oldest just turned 13 and now like the questions are real. I'm like, I don't know if this kid's going to be ready. 10 years will bring that upon you, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They are kids until you get that teen behind their age. And it's like, uh-oh, I'm working with a young adult. Yep, yep. And so, and I, and I know I'm not alone in this because, you know, homeschooling has exploded uh, throughout the country, especially amongst um, um, black and brown learners. And many of the homeschoolers, if you kind of drill down to the data, are young, mm -hmm. right? And so there's this, um, if for lack of a better term, like generation of homeschoolers that are entering into that late middle school, high school space. And they're wondering, okay, I need to change things up. How do I prepare for that next stage? So I feel like there's a, a, you know, an entire arm of a homeschool community that's you know, waiting on bated breath for this conversation around, okay, how do we start preparing for college now, how do we start preparing for what after high school looks like? Yeah, yeah. and so hopefully <clears throat> a lot of folks who listen to this podcast will get a lot of great tips um, to answer those questions because it's daunting. And I know parents, more than children, right? They don't know what it means to have to pay bills or pay <laughs> tuition. So parents are really stressed out about this subject. Yeah, yeah. So before we start um, going into some of the helpful tips, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how exactly did you get started helping students through the scholarship process? So I'm going to take it back um, a couple of decades, right, to when I was in school. You said I was a Philly native. I went to a magnet high school in Philadelphia, but I was tired of school. 
And so I was like, I'm not going to college. Um, and my assistant principals, you know, kind of gave us all a speech. He brought us all out into the hallway, the senior class. And he's like, this is an art school, but you all need to get a college degree, whatever. So I applied to one school and that was Temple University. And I knew about three colleges at the time, right? Like I knew my father went to Lincoln, my mother went to CCP and I saw Temple University when we would drive down Broad Street from our home in West Oak Lane to my grandmother's in South Philly. So I applied to Temple. That was my college admission process. <laughs> I didn't have a backup plan or school, um, but it wasn't until I was admitted into Temple with a scholarship offer that it started to pique my curiosity because I love money now. So I was like, well, <laughs> you know, hmm, had I applied to some other schools, would they have given me more money? You know, what is this? And so I remember going through my um, undergraduate education. And by the time I got to the end, we had a portfolio class and the professor said, well, Melissa, if you ever wanted another degree, based on your transcripts, the projects that you've completed, somebody should pay for it. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time I realized that other people paying for college was a thing. And that day I walked across Temple's campus to the graduate office. And I said, my professor said <laughs> that if I wanted another degree, I should pay for it, right? Because the majors I took, I was not gonna pursue that. So I was like, I need another degree. <laughs> And there was a nice sister in there. And she said, well, you ever thought about a PhD? And I was like, well, what do you do in that, you know? Mm -hmm. And she says, um, well, you do some research and you basically write a book. Now, I'm a writer. So I said, oh, I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to write a book anyway. And so she said, well, apply to these PhD programs that doesn't require a master's. <clears throat> and the short story is I ended up getting my master's for free uh, through a PhD program. And I ended up working, my graduate education was, my graduate degree was in education. Mm -hmm. So that's how I became an educator. And so I started working in these spaces and I'm wondering, well, how do I help other young people, you know, Philly natives, um, of course, in these public school spaces, how do I help them get access to some of the resources that I didn't even know existed? And there was a part of my professional career where I was a college and career coordinator mm -hmm. at Germantown High School. <clears throat> and the first year I was so proud of my work because we were meeting benchmarks. We were sending X number percentage of students to college. But then the next year, some of the same students, the most promising ones were coming back and they had already <laughs> taking a break or and I'm like I don't understand what do you mean <laughs> you're not going into your second semester what does that mean and because I've always been money conscious I did their financial aid paperwork with them I knew that they had taken out student loans I knew that their parents had taken out parent plus loans mm. and now you're telling me within your first year you're likely not to graduate on time or graduate at all who's going to pay back the loans? So I started to ask myself the question, am I doing them more harm than good? Mm. If I don't send them to college, at least they don't have debt, right? Right, right? But if I send them to college and they take out debt to pay for it, but they do not finish, now they have debt, they don't have a degree, so they don't have, um, you know, increased earning potential. So I'm indebting people 
who already can't even afford the basic cost of attendance. Right, right. So the question to myself was, well, how do you get them to afford the basic cost of attendance? And that's when I said scholarships. And nobody in the city was working with students specifically on scholarship attainment. That wasn't a requirement from the district. It wasn't a requirement from college access organizations. All we needed to do was get them to school, but nobody ever took the charge of getting them through school. Mm. And that's how Capture Greatness was born. Wow, wow. That's powerful. It is. And I, I do have to try, I have to say this. You, know, <laughs> you mentioned Temple University and, and as a person that got his graduate degrees from Temple University, um, shout out to Temple University, right? Come on, fellow Al. <laughs> so I just had to throw that out there. Um, so can you just share, I know you're going to share with us several different stories, but I mean, you, you told us kind of your background and how you got into it and the fact that nothing was being done or not much was being done in Philadelphia school systems to focus on this. Um, can you talk about some of those success stories? Yeah. That, that you've had and, and share with us, kind of, um, you know, the stories of young people that um, were able to find scholarships through your help. <clears throat> so Richard, I've been doing this almost 10 years now. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of success stories. Um, I can tell you, I'll share this because I'm talking to two black men and it's hard, right? When it comes to, I don't, I don't know if it's like, gendered or what but a lot of times I don't get a lot of young men um mm. in in the programming and so what the programming looks like now are scholarship clubs right so students are able to elect in their senior year to join me in a scholarship club and so we're working with them um basically once a week every week of their senior year of high school helping them find scholarships but more importantly write for them mm. right so it wasn't that young people weren't being notified of scholarships. We are scared of writing these essays. Mm -hmm. And so young men in particular were not showing up. So here's a story that I have that I, I typically use um, when we start off our scholarship clubs. There was a young man went to West Philadelphia High School. His name is Aubrey and he had an essay this was the essay that he submitted for his college applications. And so our scholarship club that year started, I wanna say after Thanksgiving or right around Christmas time, something like that. So it was approaching the holidays. Anyway, he had come in with his essay and that was all he intended to write. And I said, you know, I've read this, this essay is pretty good, but if you do this, if you do that, if you tell a little more about this story, if you give your reader some insight here, your essay could be really powerful. And Aubrey was a young man who took all of the tips that I gave him into account. And when he had come back after the winter break, he had a beautiful essay. It was powerful. The, um, he had written this essay for a scholarship and the prompt was who or what had been your biggest influence in your life to either propel you to go to college or choose your career path and so he wrote this essay about the impact of his sister Jason you've heard the essay before mm -hmm. the impact that his older sister had on his life um 
even though she was not able to talk, she wasn't mobile. She lived her life in a hospital bed because of an incident at birth. So she was disabled from birth. And he talked about how he would go and talk with her. And he always knew that she was listening to him Mm -hmm. and she would give him a smile that would just kind of melt his stress away. But part of our brief story is that he was not literate. He was not on his uh, math grade level until sixth grade when he realized that people were making fun of him um, for being illiterate in a class clown. And so he would look at his sister and he said, you know what? I can do all the things she'll never be able to do. So he decided to shift um, his approach to school, to education. And anyway, he ends up graduating at the top of his class. He graduates with honors. He graduates with college credits and advance of college. Mm-hmm. In this one essay, Aubrey was very busy, right? So in his senior year, he was a student athlete. He um, was doing a cert uh, course through his high school. Uh, and then he's applying to colleges and for scholarships. And so his counselor would just repackage his essay, right? Mm -hmm. Like every time a scholarship opportunity, she had all his demographic information. She would just send the same essay, same essay, same essay. By the end of the year, I had won over $8,000 in external scholarships. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I told him in our first session was you want to write something so powerful that people want to award you the scholarship because they want to meet you, right? Mm -hmm. They have to meet the person behind this story. And he said, for one of his scholarship luncheons, that is exactly what a panelist said to him. He said, bruh, I just needed to meet you, right? I needed Mm -hmm. to meet you. And so for me, I love Aubrey's story because part of what he exposes in his essay is that his sister died uh, that year that December before he graduated. But he's talking about now his commitment to always strive, to always do more in her honor as well. And so it's a beautiful essay. It's a great way. He, it's a great example of how you can approach pain points in your life and find the power in them. But then it's also an awesome success story. You know, a lot of times I know parents and students are fearful that in order to get a lot of scholarships, it means I have to write, you know, an essay every day. But for Aubrey, this was a repurposed essay that he was able to submit multiple places. So I love his story and that success story for so many reasons. Oh, that's incredible. And, and not only, it's a success story for a lot of different reasons, but one thing that's incredible about it is it points to something that's oftentimes neglected when parents are beginning or thinking about the scholarship process which is a lot of times parents will focus on like GPA and activities and um, rank and those things are important but you know Aubrey's story really points to the importance of storytelling and how that essay that's in every scholarship application is really the window to getting you to the place where, like you said, somebody just wants to meet you and wants to give you an opportunity. Yeah. So thank you for that. So now I got to ask another question. So in addition to, in addition to helping students write their scholarship essays, what are some other things that capture greatness 
um, helps students to do when it comes to the scholarship process. Yeah, so first of all, we help students understand their scholarship profile. Um, so if I was to kind of run down the list, we have over four, we have four Gates Millennium Scholars, we have Dell Scholars, you know, we have Questbridge Scholars. Um, we help students identify scholarships that are more local to them, or like I say, in their backyard. So how do you start to kind of dig up where you should even be looking for scholarships? I've worked with students who in their senior year had no idea that their parents job or place of employment will offer them scholarship dollars right mm -hmm. but until you start to dig through well who are you you know what what uh, affiliations do you all have as a family what do you have access to um, all of those things are really important for uh, young people to understand so we have a scholarship profile uh, system for students to start to understand where they should be looking for scholarships because I'm going to tell you Almost every senior I've run into, they've been on, you know, the big sites um, or search engines. And it's like, you can apply to them, but for most of those scholarships, it's only one award, you know, it's open to the whole country. Or if you look at some of the uh, scholarship lists that are circulating online, you know, they'll give you a lot of awards. But when you look at it, it's like, oh, it's only for one student in Wisconsin who's majoring. And it's like, you know, we're in Philly. So how do you navigate that? So the first thing is helping them understand their profile. Um, secondly, we're helping them to build a system that they are actually utilizing. So that's the reason why scholarship clubs meet on a weekly basis. You know, if it's not scheduled, it's not real. Mm -hmm. And so it's very hard to get a young person um, to do thorough scholarship prep without having an intentional time set aside just for that. And then we help them to search. And so, you know, we talk about varying your search terms or searching specific to who you are because you want to get access to the resources that you're most likely to be awarded, right? We don't need you to find uh, the biggest scholarships out there, but if you can find a bunch of smaller scholarships that you are a really good fit for, you already have an advantage. And so, um, and just with this year with the book, that's where we wanna help coach parents through the process of doing all of these things with their scholar. So that's what we're offering at this point in addition to um, the writing support. Okay, so you mentioned you mentioned this book now. <laughs> you mentioned this book, so we gotta talk about it. Why, why write a book? for because you guys are doing such awesome work with with um capture greatness and you're helping so many students why why write this book to um take the resources further Ooh, all right so um why i wrote scholars get dollars all right so this book was something that um it wasn't the book i'll tell you this is what happened Every year I get emails from parents, right? So Jason, someone like you'll know me and you'll tell a friend, you're like, you know, email Melissa because this is what she does, right? <laughs> and then I, I have to say to parents, oh, I'm sorry. If your child isn't in one of the schools or one of our partner programs, right? Like we don't do one off. So I can't, I'm not an independent 
uh, college coach in that way. I can't just, you know, bring your child on board. And so there will be so much disappointment. And then I'll say, but listen, if you have some questions or something I can answer, I'll point you to resources. So send me that. And so every year I get Facebook messages, emails, you know, all these things. And I said, wow, parents are really looking for resources. Parents really need answers. And, you know, you all are in the homeschool community. These are parents with children in high schools with counseling staff, you know? And I'm like, we, there are so many things we don't know. Mm. And it would be hard for me to go to sleep at night, sometimes thinking about things I could tell parents, right? Um, some years back, I tried to start a blog. But if you know anything about scholarship season in college, right, I'm working with sometimes over 100 students. I'm not writing. I'm editing their writing. Right. So I'm like, okay, the blog is not going to be the thing. So before the pandemic, I said, well, maybe if I could do seminars. So one of our partners is uh, Universities of Penn, University of Penn's Du Bois House. So I said, you know, could we use this space? Could I just pilot a seminar? And now it was a free seminar, but there was a wait list by the time parents had registered. And I was like, oh, it's a thing. And so what I did was I took the information from the seminar. And I said, if I was to flesh this out, if I was to make this clear, you know, leaving nothing out for a parent, what would I say to them? And so for the past two years, that's what I've been doing. Like if this was an intense, you know, course that we did in the summer just for parents, how could I walk a parent through the process, all the things that I've learned, all the things that I try to implement with young people, when I write curriculum for programs, these are the things that I need young people to know in order to be successful at this scholarship process. And so I just kind of reinterpreted that for the parent. And that's how we got Scholars Get Dollars. I'm telling you, this the book is the book is awesome, Melissa, because it feels like it feels like a masterclass on how to get a scholarship. And better yet, it's easily accessible. Um, each chapter gives real information that you can use to actually build your child and build, you know, your child's profile for um, a scholarship. But even the thing that I enjoy most are there are actual templates <laughs> and, and resources in every chapter that I can actually pull out and use to help, to um, help my kids. So, so I love that. So I really want to dig into the, um, into the book a little bit. Right. And so my first my first um, question coming from the book is like, it seemed like you were able to uh, point out a few myths that parents believe about the scholarship process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So <laughs> I think one of the biggest myths is, oh, my child's a good student. They're going to get scholarships. And I'm like, no, that's that's really not how it works. Right. Um, there are so many good students. As a matter of fact, there are so many great scholars that our most selective colleges and universities are turning down 10 times the amount of people who should be admitted just based on merit because they don't have the seats, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not about your child being a good student. I really want parents to understand that being a scholar is different 
mm. and being a good student. And often a good student is a young person who might be on honor roll, you know, every marking period or is getting A's and B's. But to be a scholar, someone that scholarship panels are looking for um, requires your student to go above and beyond what they're being um, taught or, or what the criteria is for them to pass a class. Sometimes being a scholar requires you to um, be forward thinking about problems and solutions that you can bring to um, a community that you're a part of. Being a scholar means that you are committing yourself, not just to your own academic pursuit, but to other areas, civic organizations, um, extracurricular activities on and on. And so one of the things that I really wanted parents to understand is that if we want our children to go to school with scholarship money, we have to make them scholars. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's most overlooked, and I have this conversation with parents when I'm in front of them, is community service. Oftentimes, you know, parents will have uh, teenage children and they're like, well, you know, they're working part time, they're doing this. And I say, listen, if you could carve out more time for some community service, right, that will probably get them more money in the long term than the hourly amount. And that's what we do in scholarship clubs, like it converts. So yes, you can go and you can work all these hours, but if you spent four hours on a writing for a $1,000 scholarship and you got that scholarship, you just made $250 an hour, right? And most students aren't even expecting to make that once they get a degree. So I would rather you prep your child to become a scholar because what I know being in this profession is that the majority of scholarship dollars actually lives at the college or university. So your kid has to be a cut above the rest to be admitted. And then those scholarship dollars are going to start flowing right in with their admission offers. So that's the first myth. You know, the second myth is like, oh, well, the school is going to, you know, I send my child to a good school. I send my child to a private school. We're homeschool. This is what's going to help my child access scholarships. That's not true. You know, most schools, school systems that, like I said before, nobody is really taking up the mantle and helping your child get to college with the money they need. That has always been a family, a household, a parental issue. And that's one of the reasons why we are so indebted. You know, we talk about the student loan rate, but who knows, <laughs> I, and I haven't done the research, but I'm curious to know, well, what is the parent plus debt rate, right? Um, how much debt are parents in, not for their own education, but for the loans that they took out for their children's education? And it's ridiculous. Uh, another thing um, that I want parents to understand is that being admitted or, you know, going to schools that are offering scholarships does not mean that your child will be able to get all the way through with those scholarships, which is why we focus on internal scholarships coming from the college or university and external scholarships. So money that you're able to bring, your child is able to bring to any school or institution to yeah. close that gap, right? Um, 
because of the 1.3 trillion, I don't know where we are now that we're in the pandemic, but when we were at $1.3 trillion in student loan debt collectively for the country, a th $3 billion of that was actually debt held by people who were never able to get the degree. And that's a lot of money, right, for people to have to be paying back with interest. Wow. But you never got the degree, so you don't have the earning power. So that's another myth. A lot of times parents think, well, my child is smart, they'll get through college. But colleges have started to do the research. And it's like, it's not your potential. It's not how smart you are. It's if you have the bandwidth, right, to work 20, 30 hours a week to be able to afford to pay tuition every semester. And then the last thing that I want to say about that issue is often I get students and parents who are realizing, oh, the school we chose really isn't affordable. We can't afford this, but you're already there. And then the student will want to transfer from that college or university into one that is actually more affordable. But if you don't pay that tuition bill, baby, you don't get them transcripts, right? Yeah. And so in that case, you're not really transferring anywhere. Now you can start over, you know, brand new at a different college or university, but now you're starting again as a freshman. After you struggle through, you've applied whatever scholarships you got in the beginning, trying to make this very unaffordable school work. You've lost that money, right? And now you're applying somewhere and you have to start all over, if at all. So those are some of the things that I want to help parents avoid. That is very helpful um, and powerful because you're really telling parents um, about a lot about what they don't know, right? And what they assume and how incorrect those assumptions are, but also making sure that they prepare themselves to get their children, not only to college, but through college. Yeah. And I think so often we focus on getting our children to college, right? Um, like, yes, even if they got a scholarship, it's just for the first year, but we wanna get them through college. So yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. The, I have an additional question in, in regards to, um, your book because and connected to this preparation because you also talk about and I think it's good for us as homeschool families as well you also talk about preparing the academic schedule right so that scholarships are kind of a part of it, it, it you know you don't even have to in a sense um, think about it but your academic preparation that schedule will build you up to work on the scholarships or get those scholarships can you speak a little bit to that as far as kind of having that that schedule putting together schedule homeschoolers love planning right so <laughs> so, <laughs> so especially when it comes to like planning our curriculum and all that stuff you know I, that, that intrigued me as far as you know how can we work scholarships into that plan absolutely so i would say if you have a middle school scholar right now right um for if if your young person is in middle school you know maybe you just take an hour a week you know or a couple of hours a month and just have them start to look for scholarships i think the the one thing is to make the scholarship process less burdensome is to make it more fun 
And earlier you get your children involved in looking for scholarships, the better, because we all understand money, right? And so you might say, hey, you want to go to that art camp this summer? You know, you want to do da da da. Look for scholarships. I think the first thing is a lot of parents don't know that scholarships exist across the board. So it can be summer programming. Um, it could be um, like leadership camps and institutes, things like that. And there's going to be a dollar cost associated with it. But sometimes if we inquire, there are scholarships available for that too. And so start there, start where your children, oh, you want to do this? See if there's a scholarship available or see if there's some funding available. You know, I don't think we need to foot every bill just because they want to do something. Because I think parents are just so used to, oh, this is what they want to do. Let me see where I'm going to get the money, you know. And no, help your child become responsible for financing the things that they want to do. So start looking for scholarships. So I would say start in middle school. Um, even for homeschoolers who are thinking about maybe transitioning their children into high schools, you might want to send them to a private or independent high school. There might be scholarship dollars for that high school. So start there, have the conversation, talk about what scholarships are and why it's important for them to do well, because there really is money, right, um, for you at every step of the way. So yeah. that's one. So yeah. as... Yeah, as students are transitioning or are already in high school, then you build in your time slot, depending on where they are, their urgency. So in ninth grade, you're not going to find a whole lot of scholarships for college. But that's when you can start to explore, well, what are your students' strengths? What are their talents? Are there, uh, for me, writing competitions that they can enter, dance? art, right? Can, are they the next great debater? Are there oratorical contests? Get them in the habit of, you know, kind of earning or, or using their, their own skills and their desires to be bringing in some money to help finance their education. So that's what I would be doing with ninth and 10th grade students, in addition to college scholarships. Some of the college scholarships that exist, and this is great, for ninth and 10th graders because they have multiple years. So you can, you know, perfect or get better at what it is. They have one scholarship that's like, talk about the American flag and they're doing a video, you know, or some of the scholarships are now using, do this on TikTok and, you know, so there's a lot of kind of like brand awareness, um, all these different things. So find them and have your student begin to compete for those. By the time they're in their junior year, though, I do suggest <laughs> sitting them down at least an hour a week. And in junior year, what we want them to do primarily is find the scholarships that they can either apply to now or that they will be eligible for in their senior year. Senior year is the most significant year for scholarships because that's when the majority, again, we all want to get kids to college. So the majority of the scholarship foundations and uh, organizations, they're going to be providing their scholarships for graduating seniors. And so the biggest challenge with waiting until your child is already a senior is they're missing deadlines or they're not, you know, creating um, compelling applications mm -hmm. because they're rushing it. They have senior project, you know, they have all of these different things that they're thinking about. They're applying to colleges 
who wants the pressure of having to apply to college, right? And figure out what to write for these very competitive scholarships. So in junior year, I would start to designate an hour a week. And we say, okay, you're going to start searching for scholarships. You want your child to create their own database. This is a good time when it's a low pressure year for them to be finding out, calling around. Yeah, you're going to work. Tell them to go to your job's website. What are my benefits, <laughs> right? Can you get money from my employer for you to go to college? You want to go to work? How about before you just apply wherever, you find out what those employee benefits are? There are so many different um, jobs that young people hold. They actually offer education benefits, but they're often there. Like I did research some years ago and I realized if you worked at McDonald's, it would be better that you went to school because the scholarship that McDonald's was offering employees would be more than the employee would make, you know, or working part time. So that's those are the things that you want to be aware of before they get to their senior year. So that's why in junior year, an hour a week, by the time you're in senior year, you need two to three hours a week, because not only are you going to continue the search, you're executing. So you need more time to be writing your essays. You need more time to gather whatever the materials are. And you need time for community service. You need time to just help to solidify your profile. So those are things that is going to be important. So it will scale with your child, depending on what stage they're in. Yo, I love it. I love it. And I love the way that you, you tie the academic preparation and scholarship preparation, not just the stuff that the student that the parents need to do, but tie it to the student's development. So looking for scholarships is part of a student learning financial literacy and financial responsibility. Looking for scholarships is part of how students can be self-sufficient in a way and figure out how to fund their own projects. So I love that as part of, you know, the, the education that the kids can get um, on their own. And you, and you keep um, reiterating the importance of community service. And uh, I love that. I love that too. One of the things that you say in the book is that, you know, community service has to be more than you go into a soup kitchen one time mm -hmm. and just having that one singular activity. It needs to be something more sustained. But it, community service is also a big part of what it means to be a scholar. Yes. And you kind of outline these three uh, ca characteristics of being a scholar, you know, being committed to community service is one. Um, the other one is um, being able to challenge ourselves academically. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about what it means to challenge us, what it means for a scholar to challenge themselves academically. Yes. So when, and then this is a, the same uh, rubric kind of that colleges, so more selective colleges and universities are gonna look at, right? So when they have a student, and I talk in a book about parents often are looking at, and I don't know, this won't apply to the homeschool community, but I'm going to put it out there just in case, right? Parents are often thinking GPA and, and standardized test scores. Those are the two numbers we need to worry about. But class rank is very important um, for most colleges and universities. And I tell the story about you know, how I didn't get a scholarship <laughs> to Temple because I didn't meet that class rank requirement. 
But when I think about challenging scholars academically, that ties to class rank. So even if your child is being homeschooled, what I'm suggesting is this. Yes, there is the curriculum that you have, but there's nothing wrong. And there are so many opportunities for young people to get access to higher level curriculum mm -hmm. and get credit for it. So we will be talking about pre-college courses, right? This is one of the programs that I think all parents should have their children apply for a scholarship for. You know, so many colleges and universities have opened up their doors, their dormitories um, to high school students, particularly in the summer, to come, to take courses, to have college level credits already before they get to college. And so if you think a college or university is gonna look at your child and say, well, how well did they do in high school? They absolutely are, but they are also really interested and excited to know how well your child already did in college, mm -hmm. right? That's a better indicator of how well they're gonna do as a student at their college or university if yeah. you have a college transcript, right? Mm -hmm for your child. So start to look into those opportunities. Additionally, um, advanced placement, I talk about, uh, well, not in this book, but in another resource that'll be available, I talk about CLEP exams. So these are the college level examination program, right? And so you can have your child test out of some of the college courses, you'll save yourself money, right? Because it costs less than what it would cost. And you can then open up more room in your child's actual college roster or college schedule for them to explore maybe a second major or take a certificate program or something like that. So that you're really getting the, the best bang for your buck when it comes to going to school. And because we don't want this money to come out of pocket, I mean, wouldn't it be great to have that university pay for your child's, you know, primary degree and the certificate that can get them um, greater earning potential without them having to go get a master's degree? So these are some of the ways that I'm thinking we can challenge our, our young people. And that's what scholars will do. You know, even if it's a cert course, if you're really serious about filmmaking, there are so many different programs that are being offered. You can have a feature length film. It would be great if you could apply with your portfolio, but also with some accolades, you know? And so these are the types of programs that you want your child to be looking into um, so that when they're applying, again, it doesn't matter what major they're competing for, but they're already showing I've mastered this in some way, right? I've already put my work in. I think when it comes to college admission, I think parents don't really understand. This is something that I say, and I know it's in the book. <laughs> so often parents and students think that scholarships are a reward for what their child has already accomplished. Mm. That is not true. Scholarships are not rewards for what your child has already done. A scholarship is an investment in what your child will do in the future. Mm. And the best way for people to gauge what your child is going to do in the future is to see what they've already done in the past. Mm. So you can't tell me, right, that I, UCLA, should give your child a spot, right, in our filmmaking program, and they haven't even produced a film. Mm, mm, mm. So, 
in a lot of ways, we have to build these profiles and these resumes. So it's like, oh no, did that, was already into film festivals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm ready, yeah. right? So yeah. that's what that's how we want to be prepping them. Yeah. Sister, you preaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that's where that leadership comes into play. Ooh. You know, scholars are going to be leaders. That's like your third, third pillar and being able to demonstrate where you've applied your leadership mm -hmm. in some way, in way, way, shape, form or fashion is critical. So, yeah, I'm loving that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, what I, I like as well is how you continue to emphasize the uniqueness of our child, right? And, and to identify, you know, that uniqueness and then focus on those things that will help them to get through college, that will get them to college, that will get them through college. I appreciate that. And I, I think in your book, you really challenged parents in, in essence. You may not say it this way, but you really challenged us as parents to understand our children, but also understand their gifts, understand their talents, understand their abilities, and then look for scholarships that fit into that. Can you speak a little more into that? You already shared some things, but can you speak a little more about focusing on your own child's uniqueness, identity, and, and scholarships? Yeah. So thank you for that question, Richard, because um, one thing that I want to point out, right, is the name of the organization is Capture Greatness. And the premise behind that is your child is already great, right? We're not trying to instill it. We're not trying to make them great. All we want to do at this point is capture how great your child is, right? And every child. And so it looks very different um, for each person. And so that is the main premise of our scholarship strategy process. You know, you might have a child who is um, just academically inclined, right? For that child, you really want to go hard on merit-based scholarships. You know your child excels there. But then some people will have children who are already, you know, just servant leaders. They're all in the community. You can't stop them from showing up to help somebody, you know. And so in that way, there are so many scholarships dedicated to young people who have a significant uh, number of hours of community service or who have an outlook that's like, I want to give back. I want to do these things. You, you have some children who knew from when they came out of the womb, well, this is what I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a doctor. And if that's who you have in your living room with you, then you need to start looking into STEM programs, STEM scholarships, STEM experiences that can help give them access, right, um, to different programs, or maybe they have like affiliations with colleges that will open up money and resources for them. And so we do not go into this process just thinking, oh, my kid's in 12th grade, I need a scholarship for 12th grade. No, there are so many different scholarships, so many different entities. So one of the things that I think, just based on who we are as individuals, who we are as families, in your house, go through some of the products that you use and that you commit to and see what their commitment is to you. I was thinking one day, you know, I have some young people, they want to go into dentistry. 
I brush my teeth every day. So I went to the website, you know, I'm like, well, toothpaste, <laughs> you know, Colgate Crest, who got scholarships? <laughs> and believe it or not, these toothpaste companies, right? They don't have time to advertise it. But if you go online, you'll find that they have scholarships for students going to dental school. They have scholarships to help you present at conferences. They have scholarships. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. And so that's fun activities that you can just start to get your child to do. You know, you love this game and it's made by such and such a company. See what they have available. See if you can do an internship. Oh my gosh, Microsoft has this amazing internship uh, for students of color, right? And it's like, we need more people in the field. So you, you want to be thinking about, well, what's unique about you? If you are a minority in any area, right? And the particular career path that you're thinking about, you are highly underrepresented. Look for scholarships for that. There is probably a professional organization. Sometimes it comes out of the company itself. So Blacks at Microsoft were Black people at Microsoft. That was like, we don't have enough Black people at Microsoft, right? And so they started this mentorship program. You can apply as a high school student. And then not only do you get the scholarship, you get a job, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous, like all of the things that you have access to um, <laughs> when you are this young. But this is when you really start to explore, hey, you know, you done, took apart three of my computers, okay? And you try to put it, the three of them together to make one now, you need <laughs> to go find yourself one of these programs out here that will pay you to do that for real. And I think that that's where we kind of missed the mark. We kind of, you know, just gaze over the, the things that make us unique, the, the materials that your child um, is reading the YouTube videos that they're kind of like geeking out on, the conversations that those are all clues as to where you can be looking to help mm. them in their next steps. And so all of that is really important. Mm. Mm. Jules. That's good. Yeah, thank you for that. Jules. Mm. So I have to just say, um, I am appreciating this conversation so much. Um, I, I appreciate your work, what you're doing, your book, Capture Greatness. My goodness. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I'm listening to you and, you know, you're saying different things. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know, with exactly. my children. I'm over here like, I'm over like, it sounds, it makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> and then it sounds so simple. But then it's like, this door has not been opened before. That's why, and we're only just scratching the surface of right. what's covered there in the text. Melissa, we gotta have you back at some point in time. Yes, yeah, yes, I'm yes, happy to, but I'm gonna tell you why you didn't think of it because you're busy being parents, right? Mm. And so as a parent, there are all of these other priorities, right? You gotta keep them alive and things like that. And so I wanted to write the book <laughs> because I didn't want parents to have to figure it out. It's so as a professional, I promise you, I have books on this, this thick. And I'm like, uh, uh, you know, I do this for a living. I'm not reading a Bible sized version of how to get my kid to college. I'm not, I, I can't commit to that. And I love this work. And so I was also wondering, like, how do you expect for parents to get through all of this material? Like, honestly, this could be a major in college, 
the way people are writing things and thinking like, oh, you know, read this 456 page book and then you'll know <laughs> I, I'm out of school. So it should not be another job or course for me. So that's how I felt about it when I was thinking, how do I best help parents understand this, you know? So that's why you haven't opened all of these uh, doors. It's too much, so. Yeah, I, I agree. So yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. seen those books. So yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we have you, Melissa, as a resource. I'm glad that we have your your book, which yeah. is not even half as long <laughs> as 400 pages with with a ton of great um resources and templates and information in it. Yeah. And you know, as we bring this show to a close, um, how can people get in contact with you? Like you have such valuable information. How can people? Um, reach you? How can they um, get access to the book? How can they get access to Capture Greatness? Tell us. Sure. So the easiest way to reach me is right through the website. It's capturegreatness.org. Um, for people who are really interested in the book, you will go to capturegreatness.org slash scholars get dollars. And if somebody has an urgent question or needs to just contact me personally, it's Melissa at capturegreatness.org. So everything is going right to capturegreatness.org. I'm not big on social media, um, but you'll always be able to access me through the website. Awesome, awesome. Now, one thing we do here at the, at, at the podcast is we always end our shows with a prayer. And one of the things that uh, uh, you just opened my mind to is just, um, I want to thank you, first of all, for having a heart for this work, right? And one of the things that I want to pray for is that parents, as they um, are looking to um, help their children to um, get into some space for higher education, that um, they have a, a lessened spirit of anxiety and a, a, a renewed spirit of preparation around this work. Because one of the valuable things I think that's come out of this conversation is that you know, part of that preparation should and can, can be fun. It can and should be shared. The parents don't have to do all the work. The kids can do the work too. So much so that it doesn't have to feel like work. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Too, you know, so that's kind of the heart of my prayer right now that the spirit of anxiety will be blocked and taken away. We don't have to be anxious around scholarships and that we have a new spirit of preparation around how we can prepare for scholarships. It doesn't have to be as daunting as we sometimes make it. Definitely. So in addition to that, um, is there anything we can pray for, for you? <laughs> well, we are, we are in college admission season. <laughs> so uh, pray for me to have the uh, patience to work with so many young people who are feeling this anxiety, right? And this pressure to get everything right and perfectly done um, in this process of college admission. Definitely. Jason, did you want to close out? Yeah, I got it, bro. All right. Well, God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for um, the lessons learned and the insights shared today. Thank you for Melissa and our heart for doing this work and for um, shining a guiding light on what it means to um, get college scholarships and what we should do to prepare. Lord God, I thank you for the information that she puts forth and 
Um, I ask that you would just allow her reach and her influence to touch all the people who need this information. Father God, I ask right now that you would strengthen her, uh, her capacity, Father God, as she works with students, that you would help the students and the parents that um, she comes into contact with and all those that are involved in this college application process to um, um, feel a sense of renewal, know that they can prepare and move through this process, help to give them more insight into how they can do it in a way that's generative, in a way that's restorative, in a way that really helps them to enjoy the journey as much as the end result. Father God, we come against all of the attacks of confusion and anxiety and even depression and despair that sometimes comes with this process. We know that's not of you and that's not what you'd have of us, Father. So just keep those things at bay and help us to keep our minds stayed on the fact that you know, you've called us to this journey and yet you're gonna bring us through and you've given us people, ministering angels to help us through it. We thank you for this time. We thank you for all that you've been doing in our lives. And we thank you for a new generation that's moving closer and closer to their purpose and their vision that you've called out for them. We thank you and ask you for all these things in present Jesus name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Melissa. No, thank you too for having me. I enjoyed this conversation very much. It's awesome. We got to do it again. Yes. <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Black Men Homeschool. Check us out on our website, www.blackmenhomeschool.com.